Welcome to an all-new episode of Get Lit with Leanna, the podcast. Join me as I sit down with a new guest author in each episode to discuss their books, careers, and everything in between. Today, I am joined by my all-time favorite author, Robin Lee, who wrote the book, The Idea of You. I read this book almost two years ago now, and I've been recommending it to everybody since. My friends online, my friends in real life, my family, anyone that'll listen, this is the number one book I tell people that they need to pick up. This book was coined the sleeper hit of the pandemic by Vogue, and that couldn't be more true. It feels like everyone now is talking about this book, which only makes me more excited because I finally have more people to speak about my love for these characters with. But I'm so excited that Robin is here today. We talk about everything from how Robin started her career to how she came up with this incredible story concept, to her inspiration behind the characters, to what she's working on now, her acting career. So much. We really get into it. And I can't wait for you guys to take a listen. This is one of the most special episodes I likely will ever record just because I cherish this book so much. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. This is such a treat. So here we go. My interview with Robin starts now. Hello, Robin. Hello. It is so lovely to see your face again. Lovely to see yours as well. And not type on an Insta DM or on a crying Facebook post. (laughs) (laughs) So used to these now that it feels like real life, but it's not, it's not real life. No, it's not real life, but it's as close as we're getting to real life. It's, it's nice that we could do this. Even if there wasn't anything going on in the world, me being in Canada, you being in California, like this is the best we're going to do. Absolutely. You know this, but I'm not sure if other people know this, that the idea of you is my all time number one favorite book. And I've loved it since I first picked it up. I think it was like two years ago now. Um, I've read it upwards of eight times, listened to the audiobook upwards of six. I want to say it's like constantly on a loop on my, on my iBooks. I'll just like click play wherever I'm at. I'll continue listening to it. So it's definitely my number one, most recommended book. Though I just want to take a moment to say, and I I see it, I see all your posts and your Instagrams and the tagging, and it just makes me like, she really loves this book. Like she'll squeeze it into any kind of list, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere I could put it, it's going in. Even if it's like a Best romance, a woman and a man, I have it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is exactly it. Like oh, if you need a book with a person, I have the book for you. Book for you. <laughs> but it so really is that. totally appreciate that. No, but it really is my all time favorite book, and it stuck with me for all of this time. But Before we get into why I love this book so, so much, I want to talk about you a bit because I feel like we never had a conversation about like how you came to write this book and like before even the idea of you happened, what were you doing? How did you become a writer? Like, tell me about the beginning before all of this. I think that I've always known two things about myself that I was was going to be, or I loved to write and to act. Um, And I've been pretty consistent since day one, like when I was like four years old, I asked my parents, how do I, no, sorry, prior to that, I think it was like three years old, I'd ask them, how do I get inside the TV? Because this is back, this is back in the day when TVs were like a box and so it wasn't like yeah. flat walls. And I, and I remember, I remember being very confused and like walking circles around, like how are those people in there? How do I get to join them? Um, and, I, and by eight, I was writing, like I was writing short stories. I have like books of short stories. So I feel like those two things were always the most important to me. I I talk about it often because I, I mean, I think about it often because I had a, 
the college I ended up going to had in their in their application, in addition to the normal the typical personal statement, there was like, tell us the one thing that you're most passionate about or something, the one interest you have that, and I, I couldn't decide between acting and writing and I wrote about both of them. And that was, you know, like 30 years ago now. And, and I feel like I've stuck with that. Like I, I knew myself pretty well and I've been pretty like, this is who I am. And I, I think I, I, I attribute it to two things. It's one that I like. I like feeling emotion. I like reading a book and like having a great cry <laughs> or watching <laughs> film and feel like going on the emotional roller coaster. And I think from very young, I thought I want to be able to make people feel the way I feel sometimes when I, when I experience art like that. And so it was, it was a desire to make, to, to, to make people feel was the number one thing I think. And then just telling a story. And so those two things have been kind of with me right after I had my first, when my son was one year old, I started writing her book. It was kind of a sort of semi-autobiographical and, uh, I um, it was a better relationship I'd had in my twenties with a much younger guy. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the book I'd written, before, I'd, I was working on before that in law school, also had a younger guy. Like I feel like that's just a theme. there's a theme here. There's a theme here, but <laughs> I was always younger. Like writing it, I was always younger, and so like the guy always stayed about twenty years of age. Um, I worked on it for about six years, and then I couldn't sell it. And it was a really painful process to right. have so much of yourself into um, a work that people say, yeah, it's just, it's just not good enough. And no one's willing to say, no one's, I, at that point I wasn't in a writer's group. Like no one was willing to say, here's what you need to do or whatever. Okay. Um, and so I kind of shut down and for two years I didn't write at all. And I kind of, I figured, you know, if, if an idea comes to me and I want to write it, I'll do it. But for now, I'm just kind of taking a break. And, and the act, I, my, I had really young kids. I was busy acting. It was fine to not write for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I came up with the idea of you and, or the idea of the idea of you. There are a million and one reasons why I felt like, oh, this is the right book now. And I'm the person to write them, to write it. I, my first kind of writings were like Duran Duran fan fiction, like back in whatever, junior high. And Crazy crazy but like I knew I, I knew how to write in my mind I knew how to write for a band I knew that band dynamic I knew how to write about um but like music. how did you know like what was your background like that you knew how to write it so like accurately I I'm uh I can be very obsessive and I'm a big reader so when I was like in love with Duran Duran it was reading everything there was to know about Duran Duran and okay. like business at that time and like production, tours, like everything. I need, I, I had to know every detail and it wasn't like, I'm just going to read books about Duran Duran. It was like, I need to read books about the music industry. So I knew a lot about the music industry. And then I, uh, right. When I was still in, in, in college, uh, my girlfriend and I started a management company managing singing groups and we, uh, managed a girls group. Okay. New York. And we got one of the new kids on the block to produce for them. And so I got to know the new kids and like, and it's just also what, just when Mark, Mark, just when Mark Wahlberg was becoming Marky Mark. Okay. So like at kind of still the height of their fame and I got to see the craziness up close. And I also got to see why 
<laughs> I never wanted to really date a guy in the music industry or, or just be in that world. Because I'd had, I knew how to write fun band stuff. And because I knew the ugly side of band stuff or the, the music industry, I, and because I'd had a age gap and because I was 40 and knew what it was like to be this, being a woman when you kind of feel like um, the world is telling you that you're kind of losing your, your viability and your attractiveness. Like I wanted to attack all those things. And I kind of thought like, this is a perfect vehicle. And you really did do that with this book. Thank you. For real. So for those who haven't read this book, I would recommend they tap out now and go read it because this is um, going to go into all the spoilers because we can't not talk about it. But just humor me briefly because I can't do it as good as you. But what is the idea of you about the elevator pitch? A 39-year-old divorce, sophisticated art dealer in Los Angeles has a 12-year-old daughter who's obsessed with this British boy band. And she ends up going to with the daughter and a couple of friends and taking them to a concert and a meet and greet with the band. And one of the guys in the band falls for her. And they embark on this relationship that starts off as kind of a series of trysts and very quickly becomes this genuine love affair. And it is a relationship that affects every aspect of her life in sometimes unexpected ways. Perfectly said. Whenever people ask me, like, tell me what this book is about, I, I'm incapable and I work in communication. So I feel like I'm a pretty strong communicator. I'm incapable of talking about this book in a way that doesn't give something critical away. Right. So yeah, it, it's, tr- it's tricky, right? I mean, it's first off the bat, it, it's a love story. To me, it's not a romance. It's a love story. Um, and that might mean different things to different people, but I feel like it's the one thing that I've always written, like our love stories, like relationships between people who are, are falling in or out of, or out of love, or it's not working out or whatever. It's, it's not, uh, let me put a bow on it and tie it up. And it's not that fairy tale kind of thing. I, it's a very, like, I like to take real, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued with real relationships and I like to look at them and see like, what, what's going on? Like what, I don't know, just exploring that. Like to me, it's so much more, beautiful and intriguing. I feel like though, the reason why this book resonates with so many people are because of the way you've written both of these characters and Hayes and Selene are so like detailed and, and so real. Like you can tell that they're every part of them is intentional. Like the way they speak to each other, the way they're, the way they act, the way they treat the people around them, their thought processes, like all of it seems to be quite honest, like that they were that they were made for each other. And I'm just curious about like you, when you were writing it, like what parts of Solan and what parts of Hayes were important for you to include to kind of make that evident to the reader? I just wanted them to be fully formed people. I didn't want them to feel like a cliche and I don't want anything in the story to be like a cliche to the point that I'd write a sentence and be like, is there a cliche in there? No. Okay. Like even I don't know, just any little cliche that you no, see yeah, that, that shows up so often in books, like even in a, if a metaphor, like, I don't want to say like, he was strong, like an ox or whatever. Like I, I'm not, yeah. every little thing like that is like, nope, do something different. Do some, go against that, do something different. Um, 
and I didn't want him to be a cliche. Like I, I wanted him to be real. Like he's lovely and wonderful, but he's not perfect. You know, he's, he's flawed. He's a 20 year old. He's mature. He's traveled the world, but he's a 20 year old. Yeah. Um, she is wonderful at her job until she gets distracted. She is an incredible mom until she gets a little more distracted. You know, like, <laughs> and I think, I think it's just, it's, it's kind of real life. Like, I don't think things are, or people are black and white. I think if everything's kind of, there's a lot of gray. Yeah. I think that's, that's how you make them real. When you were writing them, were there parts of each of their characters that you were like, Selene needs to be like this in order for Hayes to be attracted to her. Or Hayes needs to be like this. Absolutely. Like what, what was that outlining process? Like when you were creating these characters, just because the book is completely character driven. So I, I, I think I knew more of, about him. I mean, I knew him before I knew her. I knew he was going to be like absolutely beautiful, ridiculously sexy, but he's going to be smart. He was going to be funny and witty and he was going to have total British sense of humor he was going to be posh. He was going to be um, worldly. He was going to feel real, you know? Yeah. He was flawed. He was going to be great in bed, but, you know, <laughs> maybe not so good about being, being like a monogamous relationship. In the right. Because he's a rock star and that's what rock stars do. I knew for her to be, for him to be attracted to her and for her to be attracted to him, it had to be certain things like right. Um, I was going to make her older, which is going to be more intriguing for him. And he kind of likes older women because she, she's more mature. She's more worldly. She's seen a lot. She can. She's more knowledgeable about many things that he's not, and he she can teach him things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he would find that alluring. And but for her to be attracted to him because and, and she had to be really put together and like. Yes, beautiful, but but have an incredible profession and be passionate about her yes. work and yeah. love what she does um, and good at it. And I, because I wanted him to see her in that position and like love her even more. Right. But I felt like for someone as put together and sophisticated as her, she had to have someone who would hold her attention. And I think if Hayes Campbell had just been really good looking and whatever, it, it could have been a couple of nights, but that was not, it wasn't going to go beyond that. Right. I made him, um, come from like a wealthier family because I wanted him to have gone to private schools to have been all these, you know, been able to handle himself in a variety of different situations to have traveled, to have, have experienced like, you know, being in other places and around different cultures For and, sure. and all that, because all that stuff is attractive. If he's just a young boy out of his like local high school and like For sure. nowhere, it's like, he's got a lot, he's got less, even though, even if he becomes a rock star, he has less to offer her. Right. So I had to make him interesting and I had to do the same for her. I had to make her intriguing and want and him wanting to know more about her. And he had to, she had, he had to be enough to keep her interest for more than a couple of dates. Right. So speaking about her being so passionate about her work and being so worldly, um, her being part of the fine arts world was such an interesting aspect to this book, in my opinion, because I know nothing about the art world. So did you know, like, how familiar were you with the art world? And if you weren't, like, what kind of research went into it? Because it it sounded as if, for real, for real, it sounds as though you 
I, I was in Oxville in Paris. And then like, actually, like you sound, <laughs> you come from such a place of knowledge that I'm just yeah. so curious what that must have been like to write about. I knew nothing about the nothing. Art world. I, I studied, I took a couple of history of art classes in college, okay. but I didn't know contemporary artists and I didn't know how the art world worked. I went to an art festival in Aspen, um, like two summers before I started writing the idea of you. And <laughs> I was at this art festival and I saw this woman looking at art and she was so beautiful, like understated, elegant, gorgeous, like olive skin and like dark hair and a short haircut. And she was wearing this like a blazer and jeans and flats and like zero makeup, but breathtaking. Wow. And, um, I, I went to Eric, my husband, and I like nudged him. I was like, oh my God, do you see that woman? Do you see that woman over there? I was like, that is my dream woman. Like, <laughs> I said, if you ever want to bring home a woman for me, it would be someone like this. <laughs> like, she was just so like, perfectly beautiful and stunning. And then when I had the idea of writing this book and I was trying to think of what, what kind of profession would be something that would be appealing to him. I thought it would be something that's with a lot of travel, and where she gets to use multiple languages and she gets to wear fashion, like great clothes, but I don't want to be fashion. I don't want to be like publishing. I don't want to be yeah. entertainment. Like what else does it? I was like, oh my gosh, the art world. And then when I started thinking about her and I was like, oh my God, it's that woman I saw in which that's Celine. Like, right. Oh my God. I suppose I could have gone up and asked her questions, but that would have been, that would have, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just want to keep the fantasy that like yeah. there is like I she, I bet you she speaks four languages and like keep it out yeah keep right. it that's so funny um, though and uh so I feel like it came together at the same time like I feel like that's a woman that I, if I found her attractive Hayes would find her attractive you know yeah. and then I started looking into the art I, I started she's gonna be in the art world she was gonna own a gallery I'd been to a few galleries here in Los Angeles mm-hmm. my daughter was in preschool then and I was talking to one of the moms at the preschool and I told her I was writing this book and she was like, Oh, and I said, yeah. And it, and it takes place in the art world. She's, she's, a, she owns an art gallery. And the mom's like, I own an art gallery. And I was like, no way. She's like, yeah. And I, and I said, she said, where's your, where's your character's art gallery? I was like, it's on La Siena. She's like, my art gallery is on La Siena. I got whatever. I mean, it was. That's like, like serendipitous meant to be crazy, crazy. Totally crazy, crazy, crazy. And she's like, Oh my God. She's like, I want to help you. I've read so many books and seen so many movies about the art world and it's, it's poorly depicted. People get it wrong every single time. I'm going to be the one to make sure that like, this is you do a perfect job. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But because, you know, as I say, I'm obsessive and I have to research everything. I was like, I don't, I don't even know the kind of questions I need to ask you. So I'm going to go and read and take some time and like study everything. I can, and then I'm going to come, I'm going to come to you. Um, She's like, okay. And it's like, are there any books you'd recommend? She gave me a couple of books just to start. Yeah. And I just kind of like dove in and did it. And then yeah. I, or I went and I met with her. We had like an intense, like two hour conversation. I could ask her all like really specific things. Like how much would this piece of work? Like what, when you go to a festival, a fair, like FIAC in Paris, how many pieces do you bring with you? How do you put them in rotation? Who sets them up? Like all these little specific things and what makes a gallery a small gallery versus a mid-sized gallery versus a large gallery? Like what, and it's all how it's all about real estate. And the more real estate you are, the have you more art you can show and you can, the more you can charge for your art. And so that's like, oh my God, really kind of, that's, that's kind of how it starts. Like, yeah. 
Um, I knew it. I knew there had to be some sort of backstory because it wasn't, you could tell when you're reading this book that you knew a lot about I what knew, was going on. Yeah. I knew a lot. And then I, I, then I had the luxury of like when it was done, the first draft or whatever, I gave her my pages and she's like, okay, I would change this. We wouldn't say it like this. We would say it like that. Like the little things that like, right. Authenticate it. Average, yeah. But maybe the average reader won't get, but like someone there will be like, oh, she, she did her homework. Like, right. That, so that's, that was how I wrote about the art world. That's obviously how you came up with the inspiration behind Selene, but I have to address the inspiration behind Hayes Campbell. Okay. So you know, but I have to just tell you, and I know you're like, everyone tells me this or whatever, but like when Harry Styles came out with Olivia Wilde, I actually wanted to take a gun to my head. I was like, first I was like, they're in cahoots together. Like Robin and Harry, like the sheet and something like Olivia. I paid Olivia to, you know, it's like your next project. If you find a part for this guy, it, might, it'll boost my, my, <laughs> but like you have a whole relationship, leave but, your husband or boyfriend or whatever. It's anyway, not normal. Do you agree that it's not normal? Um, I agree that it's not normal. Like, is it a credit to you? Like you knew like this was going to, please just quit debunk it. <sighs> okay. So Harry was one of my inspirations for it, this book and this character for sure. But so were a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. I borrowed heavily from the 20 year old I dated that I'd written the last book about that yeah. I spent was working on a book. And I felt like I can write a 20 year old guy. And I would, I would lift not scenes, but like dialogue word for word. Like it's, it's very much, there's a lot of that character in Hayes. Okay. Um, and so, which is, which is, which really pisses me off when people are like, oh, it's Harry Styles fanfic. Since I had this relationship back before when Harry Styles was just a kid, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, so Hayes is a combination of a lot of different people. Like I told you, I want him to be posh. There's a lot of Prince Harry in there. There's some Prince William in there. Um, I would, there's no Charles. There's, <laughs> <laughs> That's like a big disclaimer. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I remember when Prince William and Prince Harry first started attending Eaton, the Eaton school. And I, I, I think it was my mom or dad, my dad, dad who pointed out to me and it's like, this school is so prestigious. It's so old. And like, it's only the best, the, you know, like the best bred men, young men, <laughs> whatever. It was really, it was like this mystical place like Eaton. And I remember like meeting a guy, a couple of guys in college from Eaton. I was like, what are, what are they like? What are they like a leprechaun. <laughs> like, yes. What was your life like? <laughs> like <laughs> um, so I wanted him to feel, I wanted that kind of like Eaton mystique for him. And so I started watching documentaries on Eaton and other guys had gone to Eaton. I found uh, a good resource in Eddie Redmayne, who was a classmate of like, of, of Harry. Oh, I didn't even know that. Maybe Will, maybe Will, one of them, or he was, he was, he overlapped with them. He was there. Okay. Um, And I watched, so many interviews with him, like how he spoke, the things, the terms he would use and like how he would be, you know, just like what a, what a real Eaton guy who's not heir to the throne. Yeah. Doesn't have to 
watch every every single thing he says, like how he would be in, in real life. And so there's a lot of that in there. Like Hayes' speech and Hayes' like the rhythm of his speech is very much that. It's very much like that Eddie Redmayne thing. But just, we have to discuss Harry very briefly. Like, do you feel like he he's haunting you? Like, oh, all right, yes. So, so I do feel like he's haunting me because I would, um, or he did for a while. Maybe he's leaving me alone. I'm try. I try. I try to disassociate. Like I tried not to. There was a period when I felt like we'd gotten too close. <laughs> but like actually, <laughs> like, like because I feel like I would say or I would do something for this carrot for Hayes, and then he would go and do it. And then I thought it, it, it got very. Uh, it was a little scary. Like was scary. fine line like, that like, album is scary to me. Like from the dining room table is. See, that's the first album, which I won't listen to in its entirety. I haven't no. listened to it. I have heard from the dining room table. It's scary. Album. Yeah. I When the album. Yeah, the song, album track list. Yeah. And there were a couple of things on there. And when I saw from the dining room table, I was like. Peace out. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. So like uh, things like, let's see. So maybe I wrote the Anguilla scene, let's say March, April of 2015. Mm-hmm. Sure. 2000- and December, 2000, end of December, 2015 is when Harry and Kendall were papped on the boat. The boat. First, no, first in Anguilla, actually, at a restaurant. And then the next night, like the next couple of days on the boat, which had sailed to St. Bart's. And it's really, it's a hop, skip and a jump from Anguilla to St. Bart's. And I was like, I was so, I felt sick to my stomach. Like I felt like, I was being punked. Like, I felt like, who's like, how, how could he possibly know? Why is he doing this? And it's, and I was angry because I felt like people are going to read this and be like, oh, she wrote Harry Styles fan fiction. I was like, no, I came up with that nine months before he did it. Do you have a shared brain? Like it's something scary. I think I I had a shared brain, but my husband, who is way more practical than I am, is like, you don't, you don't have a shared brain. You did your research. You drew up what this perfect boy bander would be like at this time period and you you did enough to like make him real so that when one of them starts to do it it's like it's only because you researched the hell out of kind of who they are and what they're likely to do yeah that's actually so so true so I'm trying to (laughs) that's what you're telling yourself but I mean the from the dining but then that but then he has a you know it's uncle from the dining table and I was like that's come on that's yeah that's you can't you can't that's not normal But when he came out dating Olivia Wilde, I can't tell you how many people were messaging me because obviously I'm obsessed with this book being like, so how do you feel about this? And I'm just like, I have no words. Like, because when I read the book, it was put in my head from the beginning. Like the book was suggested to me by some random person online who said to me, it would be beneficial if you went into this thinking that the lead in the book is Harry Styles. So I went into it tainted. Already, Harry was Hayes in my head. It was kind of an unfair disadvantage, if you will, because I couldn't make my own assumption about him. My sister, who read the book, I said nothing to her, and she saw Tom Holland as Harry Styles. Never, like, she never made the Harry Styles connection, even really. Like, so I'm kind of envious of that experience. No, but that's good. That's, I mean, yeah, it's completely different. So when the whole Harry Olivia thing happened, everyone was like jumping down my throat being like, what do you think? And I'm just like, this is can't be real. Like, I don't even want to think about it. Like, how does this happen? Like you didn't know because it wasn't about Harry Styles. That's what it comes back to. But, but, but still it's effing crazy nonetheless. Yeah, it is. 
Uh, it's not normal. And thinking, speaking of things that aren't normal, the, the really most not normal thing about your book is the yes. ending. That's very normal. No, but it's not normal when you think you're getting into a book with a happily ever after. Okay. So I never Which comes said, back. I never right. promised anyone a happily ever after. Right. I never promised you a rose garden. I've never held my book out as a romance. It was a first time author, right? This is my first novel. I, yeah. I have no track record. I had no name. So no one knows what to expect of me. And because you're first time um, writer or novelist, author, thank you, that's word, um, <laughs> very little to say. I mean, you, you have very little input on the cover, on the tagline, on how they're going to position it. Right. Um, it's very little, unless you get a really big deal, like and you've got, and it's all in your contract. You also have to trust that they know what they're doing. They sell books for a living. That's not what I do. I mean, right. I write, you know, that's, they have years and years and years of experience. They know what's going to, what's going to work in the market and who their audience are, readers mm-hmm. are, and, and what people respond to. So when you wrote this book, you knew that they were going to end up not together at the end of your book. Absolutely. Which was a devastating heartbreaker. And every time, how many times now total between reading and listening upwards of 12, 13 times, it, I ball my eyes at every single time. Like it gives me that like painful feeling in my chest. Like it, it's just devastating. It's like when like Rose lets go of the door and Jack's pulling, that's the same feeling. It's just like, this can't be real life. Like it's devastating, but I just need to talk about the bonus little chapters on your Facebook group, which is the highlight of my day. I literally only check Facebook for that group. But those two bonus little blurbs. Yes. Like, are you going to write a third bonus blurb? <laughs> I just commented on it yesterday because I, I didn't I see. I commented that it, it's I, I guess I did it two years apart. And and I realized, it's, oh, my gosh, August will be two years again. I got time. Probably start thinking because I, I, I did not think about it. Either of them. The first one, especially I wrote it within like 20 minutes. The next one, I, I gave myself a couple of hours to like think about. Mm-hmm. going on um it's it's very tricky because it's not it's not canon right it's not part of the the book and if I ever write a sequel I won't use those in the sequel you won't no and you're dropping bombs right now <laughs> <laughs> wait why I, not <laughs> I can kind of see how the sequel works and that's not how it works so then why did you give us this <laughs> She asked me on like a Tuesday night while I was making dinner, can you write me, write me a sequel? I was like, oh, sure. Okay. Well, Robin, it's my 28th birthday very soon. Oh my gosh, you're so young. Okay. And um, I would fall <laughs> on the sword for more, but okay, fine. So this is not how the sequel would be. I've explained this before too in the group is when you write a novel and you publish it, those characters kind of belong to the publishing company. Right. right. So I can't, anything that's going to really go into a book, I can't say, oh, I, by the way, I released it to my group without, you know. Oh, semantics, some red tape. Yeah. Like, I mean, right now she, they could call me and be like, could you take down those two scenes? But but I'm like, it's not, it's just. That's a good thing I screenshotted them. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to by my bed. Literally. <laughs> but, uh, so small. They're such small scenes. They're not like, if, if I had yeah, but they're gifts. Don't don't belittle how important those two little blurbs are. They've like saved me. Sometimes I just like go back and I read them. I'm like, okay, there's hope. <laughs> there's a glimmer of hope. You I know that you said that. I mean, that's why I didn't kill them off. I okay, didn't. I didn't, I didn't pull a Titanic and like. That's true. I'm so sure, Titanic. That. <laughs> 
I've had to come up a lot lately to be very emotional, but I was so sure that he couldn't really have died. Like that's just a dream. Like he's not really frozen. Yeah. So he's gonna, like, I was, oh my God. Mm-hmm. But at least Hayes and Solon aren't dead. They're not dead. Um, I know that they, while you were writing the book, they were like very much in your head and you couldn't get them out of your head. And now I know you're writing on, you're writing something new because I follow you on Twitter and you were in Paris and I was like, she's writing about Solène in Paris. And then I knew the back of my mind, you weren't, and there were new people that I'm going to learn to love. But in my head, I'm like, Solène's in Paris, everybody. (laughs) But now I'm wondering like how you move on from Hayes and Solène when you write new characters. Like, are they no longer in your head? Like, how do you separate them? It's really hard. It's been really hard to get these characters in my head. Okay. they're not in my head the way that Hayes and Selene were. Hayes and Selene were very different. Unlike any experience I've ever had before writing, they consumed me in a way that was not normal. It was, it was just wasn't normal. Like they were really like voices in my head. Like I felt like there were three of us living in my Wow. Life. It was great because I feel like it made these characters real and people seemed to love them. And I, it was kind of like the suffering for your art kind of thing. Like this is right. like, Dylan Thomas, like drinking, like I need, I need, <laughs> like I need this to make good art, and and it was also like I thought maybe I was going crazy, maybe I need to see because I would like literally he'd be talking to me, like, and it was. Insane. I would love your brain. And I was like, you can't. This is you. Can't, I'm going crazy, but I didn't want to see a therapist about it because I was afraid. What if she says something and then I lose him? Oh, she t- could turn it off. Oh my God. That's like a scary thought. Scariest thought. And I was like, even after I finished writing, I was like, no, what if I, what if I do a sequel? I need to get him. You back. need him back. So how did you get over it? What did you do? You just Took a, like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, he's still here. <laughs> so now what you're working on, do you have any idea? Like what, when that's going to come to fruition, if it will come, you don't know anything more. So I'm still too early in the writing process. I can't wait. I'm really excited. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but obviously, you know, like anything you write, I will be the first person waiting. And I I know there's, I can't imagine the amount of pressure, but I feel like everyone just needs to go into it, like understanding that it's a completely different story. And like, yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine though what it's like on your end. Like, do you think that that's why it's maybe harder for you to write it because you feel absolutely with an expectation now and Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say to, to, to up and coming writers don't publish, <laughs> but I felt like <laughs> publishing was the worst thing to happen to me as a writer and oh not as a writer who wants to be out in the world, connecting with people and readers and other writers. That's been fabulous, but it's that I've got like 17 voices, 5,000 voices on, in my head and like on my shoulder, like judging me. Right. What, What's my agent gonna say? What's my editor gonna say? What's this? What's this reader who loved this part gonna say if this doesn't have this? Or am I gonna lose these readers? Am I gonna do that? Like, even the people in my my writing group, I'm like, what are they gonna say about this? Like, it has to be this part. Like, there's a lot. I, I can't just like for a good four years, I had really, really, really bad writer's block. I couldn't just let go and just write. Right. Even now, like I I judge every sentence. I mean. I've always been pretty particular about my sentence too, but like I, I'm, I'm judging myself more and I keep having to like, like slap, like stop that and just write, write it and, and see what happens. I'll also tell you later on down the line, like stop saying this sucks. It sucks. I don't know what right. I'm doing. It's also because the trajectory of this book is so different than anything else I've read. Right. Like, like exactly. Like if I, if it come out and been big right away and then kind of died down 
if it had come out and failed or just, you know, not been a whatever, it, it would have been fine because I would have, I would not be thinking about it. I'd be on right. my neck. But because people keep discovering it and I keep doing things like this and I have to talk about it and think about it, yeah. it's still part of every day of my life, like every day of my life. Yeah. And I hate to tell you, but like, I don't think this is going to stop anytime soon for you. Like the amount of people that are talking about this book now are more than when I discovered it two years ago. And when I discovered it two years ago, I'm sure I was part of a cohort of people that were only discovered. Like it just is snowballing. It's crazy. It really is. It's it's insane. Before I let you go, tell me what you're doing now. Tell me about your acting stuff. You know that I loved you in Hitch and I loved you in the Fifty Shades stuff. I can't believe you worked with both Jamie and Will. Like those two things are just polar <laughs> opposite, polar opposite, like man crushes of mine. I had a but- dream about me the other night. Now I can't remember it. Crap. Crap. Oh yes. Okay. I remember. Yeah. A good dream. I hope. No, but it wasn't like sexy or anything like that. No, nah. he's a guy. I was I was feeling guilty because I hadn't seen Belfast yet. And oh. I'm sure I have the screener right here. <laughs> I haven't watched any screeners because I've been trying to write a book. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. It's a priority. That's so funny. I want to watch it too. But I felt guilty that I hadn't watched it. And in, in my dream, I bumped into him at something. Maybe oh it was a event or whatever. <laughs> I was like, congrats on Belfast. I can't talk about anything in the movie, but like, <laughs> congrats don't ask me if I watch it. Like, what did you think? Oh, it was just lovely. <laughs> um, I really want to see it. I want to support him, obviously. Yeah. Great things. And I, and I love Kenneth Branagh's work. And mm-hmm. I'm so dying to see it too. I love the, the black and white. It just looks gorgeous. Yeah. So what are you working on now though? Talk to me about yeah. a la carte. What else is going on? I just, I finished a series. I finished shooting. It's a limited series called a la carte. It's kind of cool. Like my part is not massive. I play the protagonist is this young woman, like early twenties, I believe like just in LA, like first job and like dating. There's a lot of, it's very sexy. There's a lot of sex. I seem to get cast in, in projects that have a lot of sex. You do my friend. You do. I'm not having the sex. <laughs> I'm the business person just standing by looking professional. <laughs> Everyone else gets naked. Um, <laughs> so that's what happens here. I am I'm her boss and I run this fashion, this fashion uh, online company, like a retail online company. And she's like this fabulous, like, fashion doya and like worldly but like you know over the top a little a lot yeah <laughs> Most of me, I think I got the breakdown and they said it was like a combination of um Meryl Streep and the Devil Wears Prada I was gonna and say Naomi Campbell like they oh. wanted the character to feel like so if you can think of what those two characters are like yes so I'm um, playing this character her name's Fabiola Fabiola Ford perfect name isn't it yeah uh, and for you guys who are diehard fans, Isabel and Daniel's last name is Ford in the book. Yes. So Alucard. And then I have this other, it's, um, I'm excited about that. I don't know when it starts airing. I think it's a little bit, it's gotta be soon. I did my ADR earlier this week, which is when okay. you go kind of like loop any sound thing. And it looks really good. And my, my hair and makeup and wardrobe are like fabulous. And I can't wait to see. It's so much fun. It's was that the photo you posted on Instagram when you were in your trailer? Was it on set for that? No, that's something else. That was okay. called, what they did called uh, You Are Not Alone. It's a thriller. And it's kind of that like young girl in the house and the calls coming from inside the house. Kind of. Oh my God, scary. Totally scary. I don't love scary things, but I'll watch it because you're in it. 
But thank you. But you know what I used to, <laughs> I, I, I used to love hate, hate, love scary things. Like yeah. I, I, as a kid, like yeah. I watch, you're watching like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and I don't know why, because it would terrorize me <laughs> somewhere when I was still pretty young, like 11 or 12 years old. I was like, Oh, you know what you guys, this is a movie. And I, and it's I was like, on you. No, but I thought if all you need to do is picture, there's a crew, picture the sound guy holding the boom. And to this day, when I'm watching something really scary, it's like, there's a guy holding the boom. There's a guy holding a boom. <laughs> like, that's what I do. So in this movie, it's like, there's a guy holding a boom. <laughs> like, oh my God. No, I'm going to use that now. I totally do that. Or the other trick I do is just turn down the volume because so much of the frightening stuff yes. is music. Same. The, yeah. Scary, Fun. but. Got to picture the guy with the boom. Otherwise, the guy with the boom. I'm, that's going to be me. I'm going like, to be like, there's a whole video village behind there. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for I really, me. I really appreciate you. I'll never stop loving this book and I'll never stop talking about it. Would you stop loving it if I did a sequel and it kind of sucked or it's kind of, it's not possible. The only way it could suck because you already broke my heart with this ending. So the only way it could suck is if you killed one of them. <laughs> or both though actually it wouldn't suck if you killed both if both died like in the notebook when they both die that's like like that's okay that you, you ruined it for me don't tell me that this movie's been out for 30 years don't tell me that i ruined it for you no i know i saw it don't but- robin i will actually oh wait no they both did they both die at the mm-hmm. end I, don't I, I mean i know that she's got alzheimer's right at the very, very end I don't, I don't really remember. I think, I think I was only. Okay. Well, you saw the movie. I didn't I just like it for you. I saw it like two days before I gave birth. So I was massively pregnant and had other things on my mind. Plus. That's a good time to see that movie. In that movie, Ryan Gosling looked like one of my ex-boyfriends and that freaked me out so much. That was Ryan Gosling, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that must've been triggering. Okay. Well, I'll never stop reading and rereading and recommending this book. And I'll make sure everyone knows that this is not a romance. It's a love story. I'm very adamant on that. I'm pushing that message forward for you. And um, I'll just keep refreshing the Facebook page for a little birthday gift from you coming soon. March 17. You don't have much time. (laughs) You're right. I've got a lot going on. But uh, Rob Lowe's birthday, March 17th. Did you know that? No, I didn't. You know who Rob Lowe is? You're very young. Of course. I know who Rob Lowe is. It's also Adam Levine's birthday, I think. Or his birthday is the day before mine. I don't know about Adam Levine. It's somewhere around there. My sister used to be obsessed with Rob Lowe, so I... Birthday. there's not much he's a very handsome man i don't blame her you didn't but you didn't know him like in his prime. well like i've seen old stuff of his but no i wasn't around then rent there's a movie called class okay rent it by the way everything in my life is there's there's totally a, i'm on brand because it, it is a <laughs> it's rob Lowe and andrew mccarthy and andrew mccarthy goes to this prep school boarding school which is like a, you know, it's like posh school for Americans. Yeah. Um, and his mom is like total MILF. And Rob Lowe is like one of his friends at school and then sleeps with his mom. <laughs> I have something about you. This I mean, is your thing. I mean, in a way. But I mean, come on. That was like 1983 or something like that. So if you haven't seen it by now. But um, he's so beautiful. They're so cute. They're so young. And... I'm going to watch it. But it's also really cool to see star actors like that at that age, yeah. knowing what they're going to become, like knowing that was like, that was just the beginning. Right. I'm going to watch it now. Watch it. I'll let you know what I think. Okay. Well, this was very fun. I could speak to you forever and ever and ever. And I appreciate you taking the time. 
Thank you very much. My pleasure. It was so nice catching up and we'll do this again soon. Maybe whenever your next one comes out, I'm first in line. Next book. Yeah. Or next, or next just like five lines in the group. <laughs> five lines in the group. I will die for. Okay. We'll see. You can start thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Holy moly. It just now has a whole different meaning knowing that like if you were to ever write a sequel, like it would be completely different. So this is like a special present because it's like it's present. Yeah. It's thank you. Thank you. So nice speaking to you. And you too. Take care. Bye. Bye.